Hi, Jesse. How are you? I'm doing good. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being part of 21st Century Entrepreneurship Radio podcast. So can you introduce yourself, please? Sure. My name is Jesse Krieger. I'm the author of Lifestyle Entrepreneur, Live Your Dreams, Ignite Your Passions, and Run Your Business from Anywhere in the World. Also now, my primary focus is running a publishing company, book publishing company, Lifestyle Entrepreneurs Press, where we focus on authors writing about entrepreneurship, personal development, uh, healthy lifestyles, and some select fiction. You are listening to Radio Podcast. Radio Podcast. Radio Podcast. 21st Century Entrepreneurship. My journey towards being an author, towards having a publishing company, really started in music. Um, From a young age, 13, 14 years old, all I really cared about was playing electric guitar. And uh, I was very clear from a young age what I wanted to do, which was be in a rock band, period. So I had the gift of of clarity, of really knowing what I wanted to do and having a passion from a young age, which looking back has been a very valuable thing. Now, not to say that passions and and goals don't change because mine certainly did, but it was actually after achieving it that I started to wonder what comes next. So from age 13, 14, up until age 21, played in rock bands, moved to Los Angeles, went to music school, learned how to do music production, you name it. I was doing music 10, 12 plus hours a day. And when I was 21, I was living in Nashville. I met who became my first business partner, actually my bandmate, a guy named Jake Harsh. And our band was called Harsh Krieger, our two last names combined. And we started to write and record and play out and we got to a point where, you know, we saw a fork in the road. We could either sign with a record label, um, which the more I looked into it, the more it looked like signing away a lot of, uh, of our rights and creative freedoms um, and it started to look like a job. Or I saw the other option, the other path was if we created our own record label uh, that we'd be able to run our music career. So needless to say, we chose that path and I volunteered to do all of the business stuff just because the last thing I wanted to do was sign away, you know, our rights or our creativity after we've worked so hard to get to that point. So that was my introduction to entrepreneurship was following my passion for music to the point where I had to learn more about business. I had to become an entrepreneur to take it to the next level. Uh, So what followed in the next two to three years, uh, we raised some money, formed an advisory board, was able to executive produce our own album and ultimately sign with uh, a distributor who is a part of Sony uh, Record Group. And that allowed us to release our album nationwide and tour the country twice. I think we played shows in over 12 different states and, and we had music on MTV and on the radio. So this was back in 2005. At that point, even when we were traveling and doing music full time, I always thought I can't see myself doing this when I'm 40. 
So that opened up the question, if I'm not going to be doing this when I'm 40 or forever, what else would I do? And that was an open question in my mind for a while. At a certain point, though, we realized that we wanted to try different things and we ultimately you know, wound down the band. And that was when I really went into sort of hyperspeed entrepreneurship, uh, consulting with companies, learning all the time, meeting people, ultimately founding or co-founding four businesses throughout my 20s uh, in addition to the music. And, and that was all what led me to starting to write my book when people would ask, like, what, how do you do what you're doing? I mean, I was traveling three to four months of the year internationally. I had a business that was set up sort of virtually so I could run it as the subtitle of my book suggests, run your business from anywhere in the world. It was all about how to structure a business and a different approach to entrepreneurship. That's what I wrote about. And, uh, and, and it proved to be a popular topic. And I think it's actually grown in popularity. More people want this kind of time freedom and you know, doing something that they enjoy more than I remember ever seeing before. Define lifestyle entrepreneurship. I mean, look, if you're an entrepreneur, just an entrepreneur, that brings up some connotations. Maybe, you know, Steve Jobs starting Apple or people starting Google out of a, you know, a dorm room or a garage or whatever. And entrepreneurship can be a big topic. So what I wanted to do is define my approach to entrepreneurship, which was very much one focused on lifestyle. And what does that mean to me? I mean, that's having a business that supports your lifestyle. If it's lifestyle entrepreneurship, that's different than being a tech entrepreneur or you know, being a, a food industry entrepreneur, right? So lifestyle entrepreneur is how do you have a business that funds and really weaves together with your life and the things you're interested in doing, the things you're passionate about. So that was the, that was the overarching of, you know, view towards why lifestyle entrepreneur. Um, but when I thought about it further, and as I was writing, a lot of the book, you know, and a lot of my focus is, is getting clear on what that lifestyle is and, or would be. And for many people, they don't take the time to get very clear on what their ideal, let's say, year would look like. Um, and then also what, you know, an ideal work week looks like. And so if you start with like a year, do you want to travel? Do you want to travel internationally? Do you want to learn a new language? Do you want to study a, a different culture or learn a martial art? What are the lifestyle pursuits that you want? That's one of the places that we start. And then start to expand the conversation to say, how can you make money in different shapes or forms with these passions? And maybe you don't actually use the thing you're passionate about doing or learning as part of your business, but it's good to get clear on that so that you can have your business structure in a way that complements and supports the things you want to be doing. A couple examples, you know, um, for a long time I was studying Mandarin Chinese. And when I saw myself getting interested in 
Chinese language and culture, um, as well as the business opportunities, it started a new sort of era of my own lifestyle entrepreneurship. Um, I started a, a promotional products company that I wrote about in the book called USB Superstore. So we sold wholesale USB flash drives and they were manufactured in South China. We had three or four different factories and they were, we set it up so that they were shipped directly to the end customer. So our customers, they're not buying one flash drive, they're buying a thousand flash drives with their brand on it and maybe information preloaded. So then we had a business that basically was a website and some online marketing targeting people that are, you know, purchase promotional products for companies, people that do purchasing at universities and schools, people that uh, work for you know, nonprofits or non-governmental organizations. And we found how to get in front of people that are making the buying decisions and looking for this type of product. So then we had a business that was structured where we get interest uh, coming in through the website. We had a sales team. So those leads would go to the sales team. They'd talk through to the point where they closed the deal. And then it's shifted over to our production department. So we took the order, communicated it to the factories, got confirmation that everything they had was in place to do the production, and then shipped it to the end customer directly in a box that had USB Superstore stamped on all sides of it. So in that equation, where was I? Well, didn't really matter. And that's why I was living in China for a summer, studying Chinese, and the next summer living in Taiwan. And that's why I was traveling all over Asia at the time and spending sometimes hours a day doing language classes or just taking bike rides and exploring the, the scenery. Now, that doesn't mean I didn't work, but it meant that I could compartmentalize what I was doing to drive the business forward into somewhat flexible blocks of time. Um, and there's, I mean, we could go deeper down this rabbit hole too, but being in Asia with the time zone difference, you know, I could do what I wanted all day and then work for a few hours in the evening. And it's the beginning of people's business day back in the States. And so there's all these considerations where, you know, after I started to get good at this, I thought, oh, well, I can get pretty clear on the kind of lifestyle I want to have and then shape the, the situation to support it. So that's my, I, that's my brief thoughts on, on lifestyle entrepreneurship and, and, and an illustration of how it can play out. In, um, in your book, you are, to you are writing about removing any covers or filters that prevent you uh, from acting the way that feels right. So uh, from your point of view, what lifestyle entrepreneur uh, requires as a person 
What you're referencing in the book, one of the first sections, I call it discovering your identity. But then I go on to say discovering is really dis hyphen cover, removing the cover, discovering your identity. So it's not really, in my view, so much a process of like reinventing yourself as it is clearing away all the BS and the reasons and the social programming that's prevented you from doing what you probably have already wanted to do for a long time. So when you discover your identity, and there's a lot of exercises to do that, you reveal what your real preferences would be. So what type of person does it take to be a lifestyle entrepreneur? I mean, before you can travel the world and run your business from your laptop, you need to actually start and create a business that generates income and allows you that opportunity. So it takes, you know, even if you have a passion to travel and, and have more time freedom, you know, at the least, you're going to have to put in six months or so of really focused effort to build the systems, get the thing off the ground and get it growing enough so that it can actually support you. So a word of caution, you know, if you're trying to start a business while you're traveling somewhere new every week or two, it's very difficult and I don't recommend it. But if you get clear on what you want to be doing and how you want your life to look, you know, 12 months from now, then the point is to create something compelling enough that you do put in the work that it does take to start any business. So the skills required, perseverance, dedication, tenacity, passion, drive, all these things, because you're going to need them to get over the first hurdles of starting a business. And, you know, starting and running a business, a lot of it is just about problem solving. You, there's problems, there's obstacles. The more you solve them, the more you break through them, the more your business grows, the better you do. So I just want to make clear for everybody that, you know, starting and running a business has plenty of, of difficulties inherent in it, but it's, you know, it, it, when you compare that against having difficulties or obstacles in your own business versus working for somebody else doing something you don't enjoy, which one is more appealing, right? I mean, there's the, the saying, I don't even know who came up with it, that entrepreneurs are the only people that are willing to work 80 hours a week to avoid having a nine to five, which is only 40 hours a week. <laughs> But why is anybody willing to work even harder than they would if they were getting a paycheck? It's because the potential payoff and the, the result is that appealing, it's that attractive. Um, so, you know, being a business owner, having that level of, of freedom comes with a level of responsibility. So I think it takes somebody who understands that to really, you know, succeed long term. Uh, as a business owner. The
What do you think about awareness? Is uh, awareness important in the whole process of yourself, of, of the context that you are immersed in, of, of your goals? Of oh, yeah, definitely. Yep, that's the, the price that you pay to be an entrepreneur is you can't lie to yourself. Or you can, but it doesn't last. I mean, and, and you can't lie to the public. Um, so, you know, having an awareness of what you're really capable of, having an awareness, of course, of what you want to create, but also how you want to conduct business and how you're going to conduct yourself when things don't go your way. Like I just mentioned, a lot of business is solving problems and overcoming obstacles. Well, if you're somebody that, you know, gets too stressed out to think about it and just distracts yourself and does something else, when a problem comes up in your business, you need to be aware of that tendency and put something into place to prevent you from, to, to keep you doing the things you should and prevent you from doing the things that you shouldn't. And a lot of this is uh, conditioning, meaning that it, it comes over time, right? If you've worked for somebody else for five years and then you've run your own business for five weeks, don't expect that everything's all of a sudden going to be magical and different because you've got five plus years of programming in a different way of, of being in business. So, you know, I, I think it's always helpful. You asked about awareness to try and step outside of yourself and look at the situation you're in objectively, which means not from a place of um, emotional reactivity. Meaning, you know, if something goes wrong, do you get pissed off and frustrated and just walk away and go do something else or have a beer or hang out with friends? Hell, pretty much anything is easier than solving business problems and creating something that didn't exist before you were working on it. But few things are more rewarding, right? So it's the juice is worth the squeeze, to use a, an American aphorism there. The, the squeeze is what you've got to be willing to do to yourself to get that juice. Because the, big, the biggest difference of being an entrepreneur, a lifestyle entrepreneur, running your own business versus working for someone else is you, the buck stops at you. You can't blame it on somebody else and you never should as a business owner. Even if something goes wrong and somebody in your company made the mistake, guess who gets to take the responsibility? You do. And if you don't take the responsibility, guess whose responsibility it is anyways? Yours. <laughs> so, you know, to, to be aware of the responsibilities required and how you compose yourself in difficult situations is, uh, is a really big part of the game. Okay, so not to, to actually burn out. What happens if all you do is work? <laughs> You're going to burn out. So I, I always recommend, look, I, even now, I wouldn't say that my current role as publisher of Lifestyle Entrepreneurs Press, I'm not really a lifestyle entrepreneur, quote unquote, right now. Meaning I'm not traveling the world three, four months of the year like I did for a half a decade because I'm building, I'm in building mode. And I know that the juice is worth the squeeze that I am putting myself through to, to grow. We're a pretty rapidly growing company right now, like 60, 70% growth year over year. 
So that doesn't just happen, but it happens when you put in the drive and put in the time and energy and, and you see the results in real time when, when a business is growing, which is great. But the point is, I'll always leave gas in the tank, meaning if I work eight or nine hours and I accomplish a lot and there's still more to do, there's always going to be more to do, I'll stop and I'll go do something else. Because if you stop when you know what is going to come next, then it's very easy to pick it back up and continue the next day. Now, what happens if you don't stop, right? If I work 12 or 13 hours and then I go to bed, I'm going to wake up not feeling excited to work. But if I work eight or nine hours and then go and you know, meet up with a friend or relax or take a walk or whatever, I call that leaving some gas in the tank. It means the next day, boom, back on it. And I'll do another eight or nine hours and I'll accomplish more in those eight or nine hours than a lot of people do in, you know, number of days. And so that's the momentum you build by putting in a good effort, giving it your all, and then cutting the thread and doing something else so that your life isn't completely consumed by it. basically moving if i understood you well you are basically moving from your comfort zone to your uh, consciously to your discomfort zone to to make that juice or whatever the expression yeah. is yeah let me give you a, here's a here's a really good visual that doesn't involve juice <laughs> okay so say you have a circle right your comfort zone is this circle and you are inside of it so if every day you go up to one of the edges and you push on it and you take one or two steps beyond that comfort zone, then slowly that circle starts to expand and all of a sudden you're comfortable doing things that you may not have been comfortable at all before. Um, there's so many examples, right? I mean, if, you, if you're doing media, maybe you're really scared of being on camera or speaking or being interviewed or being on stage, but if you know that that's a big part of what you're meant to be doing, then, then you go for it and you start doing it. And maybe it's really scary the first few times, but then it becomes more comfortable. And then you're just coasting. Like it was it, this year I ran my third uh, live event, uh, third annual live event. So three full days being on stage, teaching of a whole room of people. The first two years I had a major freak out before. I was nervous, this and that. And I like being on stage, right? But I still had all these things came up. And now finally this year, I was waiting for it. And day before the live event, I was like, man, am I going to freak out or not? 
<laughs> then before you know it, the event started, I'm on stage and I was like, wow, you know, it's moments like that. You can see the progress. You can see how your comfort zone has expanded when you're, when you're doing something that may not have come easily before. And now it's just like second nature. So that's a big part of the game. And, uh, yeah, so I'm glad that we got to touch on that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I usually use the, the, the example of, of running. So you start with running, you know, one kilometer and then after five days, you are able to run five kilometers. So, so gradually you, you are expanding your comfort zone. You, by, by going into this comfort zone, you are basically expanding the comfort zone after some time. So, so your, your um, equilibrium is not anymore running one kilometer, but now you can run five kilometers and, and still feel great. Uh, so regarding that topic, if you can um, uh, suggest um, um, any positive internal or maybe external drivers or triggers to, to, to start doing that, to start going into this comfort zone. Yeah, I mean, if you want to become a real pro as an entrepreneur really quick, then make it your habit to ride the edge of your comfort zone. What does that mean? It means every day you're pushing it, it's some edge, right? If we're talking about a circle, maybe you walk over to one part of the circle and you're pushing on it. And that part is, you know, hiring team and managing team. So you put up a job post, you interview people, you give somebody a trial run, you evaluate their performance, you give them feedback, maybe you make them a longer term offer. Right? If you start pushing in that space, eventually you'll have a team and you'll have a team that can manage other people on your team, but you've got to start with you know, hiring somebody and learning how that all works. Right? Maybe you go to another edge of the circle and now it's marketing and sales. Well, maybe you've got to put yourself out there more if you're the face of your business or if it's a product business, like when I talked about my USB business, nobody knew who I was or that I owned the company. Um, but either way, you have to do marketing. You have to get in front of the customer. So maybe you have to learn about advertising. Maybe you have to figure out what Facebook ads are all about, Google AdWords. Maybe you have to test and lose some money before you find something that could potentially work, right? So that's pushing the edge on the marketing side. Now, if you ride the edge, it just means that you know, if you don't shy away from doing the things that you need to do to grow the business, then the business grows. The nice thing about business is that it's somewhat linear and logical. Um, meaning if you do something, you get results and you can analyze those results and improve, right? If I spend $100 on advertising, I can see how many clicks there were, how much did it cost per click? Did we drive any sales, et cetera, et cetera. And so you get information when you take action. You know, if I hire somebody, well, I can read their background. I can see where they used to work. I can interview people, but now I hire them and I'm paying them. Are they doing a good job? What could be improved? How can I create a system so that it's easier for people to work for the company? All these things, it gets down to the 
micro level of taking action on a daily basis. And if that involves riding the edge of your comfort zone and your capabilities, then it's going to grow. And it may not grow as fast as you want. It may not be wildly profitable straight away. But again, stepping outside yourself and say, okay, am I doing more that I want to do now than I was three months ago, six months ago, a year ago? If you want a reality check, just look at where you are now compared to a year ago. And oftentimes I think, you know, assuming you've been, been in business for over a year, but a lot of times I think it's easy for us to discredit what we've done and just focus on what's happening right now. Whereas if you look back over a year, you say, oh, wow, you've got to admit you've accomplished a lot, right? If I look at all the things I've done in the last three months, it's easy for me to feel better if something's going wrong right now. And so the momentum that you build by riding your edge, being aware, taking the steps that you need to, to grow your business, and then keeping the perspective, um, it's a balance, I'll admit. And, and you figure that balance out when you're on the field. You can never know what it takes from the sidelines. Never. Oh, I know to know what's out the wound. What could have been what if you followed? success you developed a special roadmap so if you can say a few words regarding that one yeah within the book one of the frameworks that i use i call the vision map framework and map is an acronym for mission action and product and you know the vision map really is at this point in the book, we've started to craft a vision and you've gotten more clear on your ideal lifestyle. So that becomes the vision. The mission, actions, and product stands on its own. That's the business. And I'll explain what I mean. So if your vision is to, like mine was, travel three to four months of the year internationally, learn languages, meet interesting people, and have adventures, that's a great vision, but that's not a business, right? So the mission in re it relates to the business. What are you going to do that provides value to customers that earns money that funds the vision? So in our case, our mission uh, with the, you know, the USB business was to have a, a virtual company servicing clients around the world with high quality promotional products and customer support. So that mission is related to the business and the action and the product, the actions are then, you know, what do you do to execute on the mission? So if we want to have a business that serves customers around the world with high quality promotional products, well, advertising on the internet allows you to reach people around the world. Having a, a factory or producers that can ship product anywhere in the world fills the other requirement. And then it's, uh, and so, yeah, and then having a good customer support um, fills the last part, right? Then the actions are, how do we uh, get a, a high-performing marketing campaign? How do we have relationships with suppliers so that we can always 
fulfill on orders that, that we take? How do we have a, a customer service manual so that we can hire people to, to deal with customers and that they follow you know, a script that we've found works well? So those actions become the, the tactical part of running the business. And then the P, the product in the MAP and the vision map is analyzing the results. The product is the end result, right? So once we've completed an order, sent it to the customer, we can analyze, did we make money on this order? Did we have to spend a lot of marketing on this order? Did we have a lot of customer support time that, uh, that related to this order? So we can analyze the product once it's all done and that becomes a feedback loop. How do we improve the actions? The actions and the product are like two sides of the same coin. You take an action, you get a result. Result and product can be a you know, same idea. The results then help you figure out how do I take better actions? And so that feedback loop is what drives the business forward. And the mission is like the guiding principles for the business. And the vision is what you personally want to accomplish and realize. Um, and it doesn't need to relate to the business at all. So truly, the vision map, it's a map to achieve your vision. And the map is the business. It's the roadmap for how you're going to operate your business. Excellent, you merged the, the model with the concrete example. For all of people just started with business, let's define motivation. If you need motivation, that's what you find in your vision, right? Your vision should be motivating enough where you're willing to put in the effort to you know, create a company, run it, invest your time and energy and resources to get it going. Um, if you start losing motivation, you just need to reconnect with the bigger picture, the bigger vision, right? Nobody starts a business with the intention to work 14 hours a day, every day, forever. But you make a trade-off and you say, I'm willing to work a certain amount of time um, and do a certain number of things because I'm, I'm delaying the gratification, right? Somewhere down the road, there's going to be a payoff and there is right. You look around at any product, wherever you're sitting and watching this, even if you're in the middle of a forest, listening to this on headphones, look at the phone or the headphones, any single thing that exists at once was just an idea in somebody's mind and somebody and some group of people took the action, put in the time, worked the feedback loop and pushed their edge enough to bring it into existence and get it into your hands. So, you know, if you want motivation, if you think, oh, this is so hard, I could never do it, look around. Every single thing that exists in the world that's not just nature 
was at first an idea, just like your idea is, and then it became a business, and then it became a business that scaled to the point where you discovered the product and purchased it, or somebody else did, right? If you're walking down a street in a city, everything around you was somebody's idea at some point in time. So if, I don't know if this is motivating or not, but this is motivating for me to think that any single thing from a guitar to a couch to a ceramic cup was first conceived of, and then uh, a certain set of actions were taken that brought that idea into the physical world and marketed it and sold it. And, uh, and I think that that's a good motivator anytime things seem overwhelming or, or very difficult. Right. And that's not, that's not just true with products. We're talking about physical products, but you know, look at your bookshelf, look at uh, the podcast list on iTunes, right? Even content, everything was created at some point and marketed. Um, so that's a process that can be learned. It's a process I wrote about in Lifestyle Entrepreneur. And quite frankly, the motivational thing that I want to share is it's a process anybody can do. I truly believe that. I don't care if you were born in a rural part of a third world country or in you know, New York City, Manhattan with rich parents. Anybody can learn how to start a business and create something. Not everybody does, but I kind of think the world would be a better place if everybody tried it at least once. And that was part of my motivation to write the book. 1603, Lord have mercy. Jesse, there is the whole chapter in your book. Uh, it's the 21st century internet economy basics. Can you give us a short intro to finish our interview today with that one I th i'm, I'm going to quote from memory here i don't have the book in front of me but i love how i started that chapter and i think it was something like i'm unemployed period and then it says if you look at labor statistics i've never been counted in the employed column but that doesn't mean that i haven't been working and i go on to say that in between the lines in between the statistics of labor and work and employment is an unreported type of person, the lifestyle entrepreneur, somebody that creates a business, works for themselves, brings a product or a service to market, and you know, may never even be so large that it you know, becomes a large business or a large concern. But you can grow a small business and do very well with it and have a great life. And if the purpose of having the business is to support your life, you don't need to build a multi-million dollar business. I mean, if you're, if you're doing you know, coaching, let's say, and you have a quarter million dollar business, there's very few hard costs. So you should be at least making 100,000 a year and you could live pretty well almost anywhere on that. Now, you have to build up to that quarter million dollar business, but that's a business of the size where you know, it's not on many people's radar. Of course, it's on your client's radar. But the point being, you know, that the tools that are available here and today, and they've improved, there's even more available now since I wrote the book, you know, and the, the internet economy, the whole global economy, I think is moving more towards this model, 
meaning you know, hiring people as independent contractors, setting up relationships where you pay people when they work, but you're not paying them when they don't. Um, the gig economy, quote unquote, or freelancing, you know, uh, the, you can set up a whole business without having a single employee um, by hiring and managing teams or specialists, which you can find on sites like Upwork.com, Fiverr.com, Time, et cetera, all these other platforms that exist. And I encourage you to explore it. So, you know, if what we've talked about today sounds remotely interesting, then you're probably going to love Lifestyle Entrepreneur. And Lifestyle Entrepreneur is available wherever books are sold. So go on uh, Amazon or whatever sounds good to you. Go into your local bookstore and ask for it. And I hope you pick up a copy. If you do, reach out and get in touch with me because I have that invitation available for everybody that does read my book, which as it turns out, is how I wound up on this interview here with you today. So thank you for that, Martin. Thank you, Jesse, as well, for sharing with us so much knowledge. 